The following episode of What's the Buzz is sponsored by Manscaped.com. Do you have sweaty balls or volleyball netty balls? It's time to make them ready balls. The Manscaped.com Lawnmower 3.0 will do the job and clean your knob with its patented no-nick head so your head will function as desired. Enter promo code WRESTLINGFUTURE for a generous 20% discount. That's enter Wrestling Future for a 20% discount. Manscaped.com and Wrestling with the Future going balls to the walls with Manscaped.com and the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. And so will we. It's Tuesday night, and that begs us to ask that question once again. Amelia, what's the buzz? Hey. Hi, buddy. Mad what's the buzz? Joined by Amelia, the Pitbull Chapman. How are you, kid? What's happening? I'm, I'm doing great. It seems like it's uh, been a long day today. How about you? <laughs> I'm wonderful. I am real. I, if, if there were, I tell you what, honestly, mm-hmm. and, and I don't say this often, but. It happens to be true. If I were any better tonight, there'd be two of me. <laughs> really, I feel that good. I really feel good. Well, that's um, awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. I'll tell you what. Um, I had, you know, my birthday was uh, was just this weekend. And mm-hmm. I, I'm getting closer and closer <laughs> to retirement. Like, even though I'm technically retired anyway, I'm getting very close to that that official <laughs> retirement age. Um had a great time. I went to the, the beach with my wife for my birthday, mm-hmm. and it was very uneventful, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was a great That's time. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'm entering my 64th year, and I look fucking amazing. Look at me. Yes, you do. And I had uh, Phil Solisa, <laughs> Dean Martin, and uh, impersonator sing you happy birthday last yeah. Thursday. <laughs> yes, I had a day. Tom, she had a Dean Martin impersonator <laughs> sing happy birthday. I did. Perfect. <laughs> Crazy perfect. Did. Let me introduce my guest of the night, Amelia. We have a, a, a pretty spectacular guy. He's a Jersey boy. One Absolutely. of my people. So, but he's not Italian. That's okay. We'll let him stay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> his name is Tom Ryan. He is an an award-winning, let's put it this way, he is an award-winning writer, producer, director of the horror genre, our favorite genre of film on this program. God knows we've had our share of uh, of horror mavens on this program, including our good friend Ed McKeever and, uh, oh, God, you know, Mikey Messier has been here. Mm-hmm. We've got Tom Ryan now because we've had... Uh, uh, oh, God, Scotty. Uh, what the heck was his name? Oh, Slasher Scotty. Yes. Slasher Scotty. Sorry, Scotty. I forgot your last <laughs> name, kid. Uh, oh, Scotty Moore. Slasher Scotty mm-hmm. Moore. That was his name. Um, mm-hmm. 
And uh, so we've had, you know, a, a number of horror people on the show. We love the horror genre. Here. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, Tom Ryan is a pretty spectacular guy because he's got some credibility. He's got and that's rare in the indie market. He's got credibility. Yes. Um, you know, anybody can make a movie with a couple of bucks, you know, you know, one or two days shoot and you got yourself a film in the can. Um, but if you do it the way Tom Ryan does, he takes his time and he does it right. Let me tell you a little bit about Mr. Ryan. He is a um, a New Jersey-based film writer, director, and producer. Studied the media arts for two years at New Jersey City University, formerly Jersey City State College. It took us a half an hour to get that one right. <laughs> <laughs> Since his early childhood time has uh, had a great passion for the film genre, uh, particularly horror, he nurtured that passion by shooting movies on VHS. Remember that? VHS? Yes. God, I miss VHS. Me too. I go back. I'll show you how old I am. I had a <laughs> an 8mm and Super 8 way back in the day. Mm. Uh, drawing slasher comics, you did a... a um, a slasher comic, Tom, called Midnight. What mm -hmm. was that all about? Let's talk about some of your early work right off the bat. Welcome to the show, Tom. Yes, Ryan. welcome to yeah, the show. Thanks, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Talking about my old slasher comic, Midnight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a group of friends in the neighborhood that we all happened to to kind of get into horror and comics and action movies and everything all kind of just around the same time. And we learned a lot from each other. And there was an, a friend of mine uh, by the name of, uh, well, I'll leave him nameless. I don't know if it was his name said, but he was a, uh, <laughs> he was, a, he was a little bit older than me and he drew a comic called haunted house about this, uh, a slasher and uh, God, back in the eighties, there was the old GI Joe cartoons. And if you remember Cobra commander from the GI Joe cartoons, he kind of had this cloth hood over his head. Yeah. So our killer kind of had that cloth hood. It was inspired by that. And uh, the comics were just very simply about an old abandoned house in our neighborhood. All of our all of friends were in the comics, right? So eight or nine of us, all of our friends that would hang out together were the characters in the comics. And one by one, the killer would decapitate, impale, run over, shoot, cut throat cut, slash or whatever, each and every one of us in the comic. And it became this ritual where several of us were pretty good artists in the group. And we would draw our own versions of these stories, part one, part two, part three. And we couldn't wait to share it with the group. And it was a, a big part of me kind of starting my early script writing was like writing those comics. Tom, does it help that you're a kindred spirit with the other like-minded individuals? Is, is that really kind of like... Um... A simpatico, does that make it like the super glue that holds us together? That you yeah. all you guys, you write, you draw, you, you're creative people like that? Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, at that age, of course, uh, a lot of us were, were like-minded. And um, now as an adult and making films, I mean, it's fantastic when you find those people that you mm -hmm. connect with. Yeah. Um, that you just have this, like, like you said, simpatico, you kind of get together, you start throwing around your vision of stuff and your minds are meeting and there's so many things that you kind of share and, 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 uh, it's definitely magical and, and it completely helps. And that's one thing I'm very proud of with the theater of terror, our production company, 
Um, it was started by friends. Uh, it continues to be friends. It continues to be people that care about what we're doing, about each other. Mm-hmm. We understand what we're all trying to achieve. And it helps us work as a production company and as a, as a, as a community of friends uh, really well. It's super important. Yeah. Tom, we've had uh, on this show a number, um, I mean, a, 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 and a growing number of horror film producers, writers, directors. Um, we had one particular show. Amelia, remember this particular show we did? We had four oh. independent horror writers and directors on the show. Mm-hmm. Between these four guys, they had 168 movies. Yes. Between four guys and a movie. I, I said to one guy, I said, how many movies are you guys cranking out to, to, to pull these kind of numbers? He said, mm-hmm. I can do five movies a day. Yes. The five movies a day, that's a lot mm-hmm. of that's a lot of film <laughs> or you know, di- digital, you know. Or a lot of bad mm-hmm. movies. <laughs> Yes, that's a lot. That's five a day. Wow! You watch the show, you think I'm kidding? I swear Mm -hmm. to you. Yeah, yeah, we're not even making this stuff up. That's, I mean, that's great. Yeah, no, I was going to say that. You, but you know, you have that extreme, and then you have another guy on the on Mm -hmm. the same panel who maybe puts one a month out Mm -hmm. and takes his time with it. You know, and gets credible actors and actors. He pays people, yeah. And he's not shooting on his cell phone, right? Mm-hmm. You know. So talk, and we love horror on this show. It's one of our favorite genres. Um, what is it? And and I'll let you, you know, answer any part that you want. What is it about horror that we all love? Why do we love to have the shit scared out of us? Well, it's safe in the movies. You know, it's it's we get to explore that 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 part of us um, that we don't want to explore in real life. Right. We don't want to have to explore it in real life. Yeah. We don't we don't want someone (laughs) chasing us and we don't want some monster chasing us. Uh, But it's fun in the movies. It's fun. We get to see it happen to someone else and we get to kind of live in that moment and enjoy, you know, because fear can be exciting. And especially when, you know, you're not really going to be hurt and you're just watching it on on film i think it's it's fun uh the scenarios you know are uh, things that we you know like i said you wouldn't hope to see them in everyday life but it's it's yeah. it's kind of that whole oh gosh i always wanted to kill my neighbor it's great to see someone else kill his neighbor <laughs> you know there's, there, those are the fun parts of it you know so yeah horror's got so many great elements to it um, that make it really enjoyable for those of us that have a fantastical imagination and like to experience a little bit of fear. It's kind of like uh, uh, what, what are those guys called, like, uh, you know, adrenaline junkies or or the people. Yeah. Like, you know, they like that's what stimulates them. I wouldn't say that being afraid is what stimulates me, but it's definitely something that I love to watch some twisted, creepy, scary movie. And just get that eerie feeling for a little while because it's just a different experience. And again, when you're in the safe haven of your home, uh, it's it makes it enjoyable for, for a real broad audience. Right. You know, it, it always um, it, it uh, I, I shake my head and and in wonderment when I think about the people I know who do this particular genre. I, I know. I've had, in fact, I've had him on the show. Uh, a friend of mine's been on the show, and he's 
a devoutly religious guy um, yeah. and doesn't curse and doesn't swear. But you get him behind his camera and put him down to write a script, and he comes up with some of the most <laughs> evil, sinister stuff you ever saw. Yeah. Um, is there a juxtaposition there? Is there like um, is there a message to that? Should we glean anything from that? Yeah, no, I mean, I I think in real in real life, especially in the independent horror community, you will find that the freakiest of freaks, the people that watch the, the most goriest of horror are usually like the nicest people to hang out with at the conventions yeah, or at the it, film it, festivals. It really is fucking strange. Really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amelia, questions yeah. for Tom Ryan. Yeah, especially like, uh, have you ever found yourself like you're uh, like at a grocery store somewhere, or you hear somebody say something, and you're like, oh, I gotta write that down because that would be like a excellent type of a movie, or you see something, or something comes to your mind, and it's like, oh, that'd be like a good character to write about. Yeah, for characters, yeah. I don't know if stories or plots ever really do. I have a lot of. I'm always kind of coming up with stories and plots in my head. So I don't know if the radar is up when I'm out and about, mm -hmm. um, but certainly characters, I'm always influenced by people I meet, people I know. Um, a mixture of them is something that I'll create as well. So uh, yeah, the outside world is always a huge influence on, you know, especially my stuff. I try to do it very relatable to society or things that are kind of going on at the time or relationships with real people. So it's easy for the viewer to relate because they see that they see these kind yeah. of characters the, my characters, are, I try not to make them too over the top. I mean, there's an exception of a few, but for most part, I like to make them relatable. And people Tom, can see I've got a day. question right along that line. You just prompted something. Do you ever write based on real life situations, uh, kind of the ripped out of the headlines the scenario um and do you write for yourself or do you write for what you think your audience would like so um i'll start with the last part i think i write for myself and what i think the audience would like because i still consider myself a part of the audience what i like and what i used to like to watch so yeah. if there's if there's things that 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 trigger me in certain ways, where I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to be an exciting twister, yeah. this is going to be a great jump scare or what have you, I'm looking at that from an audience perspective because of right. what I know, my experience. Um, I don't really write stuff that's coming right off the headlines for the most part. Okay. With the exception of stuff that's kind of happening in the background in my films. Yeah. There will be moments or scenes. So for instance, um. I did a film called Endangered. It was a it was a the act four of a, my first anthology, The Theater of Terror from 2019. Mm -hmm. And uh, Endangered has a protest scene in it, and they're protesting the building of this pipeline coming across this this county uh, where the gray wolf live in the wooded area that they plan on raising and knocking down to get this pipeline through. So there's these protests going on, and these and then this radical group of protesters comes to kind of try to stop this pipeline from being built. So that kind of reflected the, the, I think the keystone was going on at that point, right? So it was kind of like a reflection, like we, we that happens a lot in this country, protesting pipelines, yeah. endangered species being threatened, protests taking place. Um, so that was kind of the backdrop of the story. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it wasn't exactly, 
the same scenario, but it was very similar. And so those are the types of current affairs yeah. or current events that I'll use to highlight or to, to, to just kind of create an atmosphere in the story about what's going on, what the time is like. Well, following right along those lines, um, are you a fan of New Jersey's greatest superhero, the Toxic Avenger? Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. Are you a Lloyd Kaufman fan? Uh, uh, yeah, I I grew up watching Troma. Uh, I've met Lloyd several occasions at different conventions. Uh, I love what they do. Uh, particularly, Redneck Zombie was a very influential film for me. Yeah, uh, and I don't know why. I think it was just because I, you know, there's there's times when I watched movies when I was younger. Uh, that were kind of um, uh, milestones for me when I'm, when I said, I can do that. You know, when I started watching movies more with that mindset, wait a second, I can do that. We can write this. We can do that. Exactly. Where I started to kind of transform from like movie fan to want to be filmmaker, like yeah. or aspiring filmmaker. I'll put it to you that way. And we did a lot of uh, stuff at that age where we would, act out movies sometimes with a vhs camera and sometimes it was just like a rehearsal yeah i'd say you're this guy i'm this guy and here's the scene i come in and this is what happens and i would kind of write it and direct it right there and then yeah. we'd act it out and uh, that's kind of how we got started with that you know just realizing um one one part in my life that was very important is when i saw the making of the empire strikes back Ah, and um, yes, I'm just watching the behind the scenes. And it was I think it was Star Wars and Empire. They both came out at the same time. And I'm just watching the behind the scenes and all the creative stuff that Industrial Light Magic had started to do. Right. And that in that when that was first birthed right from yeah, Lucas, sure. um, I'm just watching the blue screens and everything they're doing. And I'm saying, that's how they do that. And and I was always a huge um, um Ray Harryhausen fan and and stop motion right and yeah so watching them do that in Star Wars and just growing up on Jason and the Argonauts and Sinbad and and I'm just I said I got to do this I love this it was like playing with toys but making movies doing it and uh, yeah so a lot of that was part of my evolution into going from just a fan to wanting to create that stuff how much of that is just you being a big kid everything all, all of it. <laughs> Right. All of it is. There you go. All of it is. Yeah. It's really it it's really kind of uh, awe inspiring when a guy who can grow up, you know, who grows up, you know, loving horror films can grow up to make horror films. Yeah. Uh, and do it convincingly well. Um Thank you. Amelia, questions for this young budding oh, genius. Yeah, because I was noticing that you also had like so many different movies like Abducted and Soothsayer and uh, Theater Terror and then the Splinter one and the robot, which I saw that the robot, you had that in gold and then you had it in silver. What inspired the gold and then you decided to go silver on that one? The gold and silver on robot. Mm -hmm. Was that the color you mean? Yes. Uh, I on the robot. I like the silver better than the, the gold, I think. Did you get that a lot? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, I, I know what she's talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, so this, yeah. I'll be honest with you, that was mm -hmm. probably just an ad where I was mm -hmm. trying different colors. Mm -hmm. The robot in oh. the film is like mm -hmm. a dirty silver. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, he's like a dirty silver. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was probably just some ad that I was mm -hmm. testing out and changing colors around that you saw. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it looks more scary to like me. That. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Amelia. 
yeah, to, to me, it looks more scarier because to me, it, look, it makes you look like more like you're going to run away from it than to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, have you seen the trailer for Robot? If you have, I saw a little bit of it because, yeah. you know, and I thought, you know, I'm going to ask him better about that question well, to see which I'll one he tell likes you better. What, there's, yeah. there's no time no. like the present. Yes. Um, oh, my favorite. Your yes. favorite part of the yes. show is right yes. now. Cool. I'm going to. Yes. I'm going to introduce Tom Ryan to one of our most popular features. This young man is called Show and Tell. Show and Tell. And this is Tom Ryan. This is your life. Yes. Take a look at this. Hi, everybody. My name is Tom Ryan, and I'm the founder of Theater of Terror. The campaign for our new four-film feature anthology, Return to the Theater of We're Terror, going to talk about this after the, after the break. I'd like to thank everyone that donated to, shared, and promoted our fundraiser. And I'd also like to thank those of you who couldn't donate, but still took the time to reach out and acknowledge our efforts and wish us much success. I appreciate every last one of you. Your kind of generosity is the foundation for which the independent arts was built. And for me and my team, makes the difference between dreaming and doing. We had 191 contributions through Indiegogo and direct donations and reached 82% of our targeted goal. Now, what does that mean for the feature anthology? Well, it means that we've got a lot of work to do, but we've got the budget to do it right. The first segment of our new anthology, Soothsayer, has already enjoyed some rave reviews from early screenings and production on our second story, Splinter, is well underway. Now, I'd like you to visit our website, www.theateroftero.net, and subscribe to our mailing list so I can keep you updated on the progress we're making and share, share some cool behind-the-scenes photos. Uh, once again, we have so much to look forward to, and that's thanks to you, the supporters. So on behalf of me and my team, I'd like to say thank you and viva la Indihara. <laughs> Instead of distorting the space around us, why not instead distort our perception of the space around us? Robert, it was amazing. Like an amusement park ride. You're a genius. Robert, this is pure madness. You must see that. We've been friends for over 20 years. Darling, I need you to tell me what you saw. Please. I've seen it with my own eyes. The suit said show. Soothsayer? I'm impressed, Doctor. Not yet, Stephen. But you will be.
go to the movies used to be such a magical experience. The smell of freshly topped popcorn. The silence that falls over the audience when the lights dim. The coming attractions. You mean the trailers? I mean, I heard him. I just. Marcus, you are nothing but a recluse! Hey, man, what happened to you? Drop your feet before you came in here. I just dropped this Lord. In that moment, you could find yourself really lost in the story. seeing the theater, are you? Uh, of, of course not. <laughs> There's more to come. Let's more to talk come. about it. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about it. First of all, <laughs> you're you're a pretty creepy actor. I like that. <laughs> I was like, okay, what's gonna happen behind her? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the the trailers. We saw a couple of trailers from from twenty and twenty one. Um, uh, the soothsayer is one that I've actually had the chance to see. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the, this one. I haven't seen it yet. It's called Bookworm. That we saw a little um, alluding to it in there. Uh, the the young actress we saw that you were having a dialogue with that was called uh, I believe that was called Theater of Terror or yeah. Return to Theater of Terror. So uh, yeah, and I'll clarify it. So what you just saw the trailer for uh, the last trailer that we just watched was for the Theater of Terror. Right. That was a four film anthology. Me and that young lady. That was the wraparound story for the anthology that you were watching. All the clips in between that were from this first movie, The Gift. Then The Bookworm is the second. Abducted is the third. And Endangered is the last film. Um, She also happens to star in the last film, Endangered. She's really good. Mm -hmm. Lauren Renahan, yeah. She's wonderful. Yeah, Incredibly talented actress. And and Mm -hmm. the people that you hire... Are mm-hmm. they look and I'm going to to step out on the ledge here. Mm-hmm. They look far more talented and far more trained than what I'm used to seeing in the horror genre of film. Mm. Um, the, horror, and you know, Tom and I know, and let's just be honest about it. Horror gets a bad rap. It's a uh, you know straight to video normally. It's yeah. very, very uh, few horror uh, gets released to theater population these days. Although, thankfully, it, it's making a return. I just saw the uh, Elvis movie, and I can tell you that the trailers for uh, for the upcoming films look mm-hmm. very uh, enticing good. in the horror genre. Yeah, they look good. really good. Um. And by the way, if you get a chance to see Elvis, it was a great movie. Go, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> little little plug for Austin Butler, okay. um, like he needs it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other that I had, and thankfully you, know, you sent me uh, uh, this little clip, and I wanted to see more. I wish it were in like another hour and forty minutes of it. Um, 
uh, a clip it of uh, Splinter. Uh, I won't tell the audience what it is. I said, just see Splinter. Um, is that out yet? Is it available for is for release? No. Okay, no, is so, it still in production? Yeah, so now to give you the current, the first trailer we watched was Soothsayer. Soothsayer is the first film in another, the sequel anthology, Return to the Theater of Terror. So it's Soothsayer, then Splinter, then Robot, and a film I'm currently working on called Haunted. Those are the four films that are part of that anthology. The first three films are done. Currently, Splinter, uh, Soothsayer, Splinter, and Robot are on the film festival circuit, but not, not really available to the public unless right. we do, you know, yeah. Uh, now, are, are they available uh, like uh, on-demand platforms? Nothing, nothing. Oh, no, so because they're not... they're, they will be officially released when the entire anthology is done. Oh, I see. You're, you're okay. releasing it as a set. Yes. Oh, man. Yes. Put my name able to watch down. Each one, yeah. Yeah, put me and Amelia <laughs> down on that list. That yes. Awesome. Is... Yes, please. Yeah, please, absolutely. Uh, and I'm serious. Put our, put our names <laughs> on that list. Will do. Um, yes, please. There's a um, there's a thing that happens to filmmakers. They, uh, you know, then maybe they don't have the money to to go full time, so they work a job and they do their weekend warriors. They do filming on the weekend, and maybe they free up a little bit of time. And they they squeeze a day in the week, maybe a Monday or Tuesday, and they they do their work right. And mm-hmm. so, but all the while they have a job. When did you get to the point where you had um, enough confidence and enough finances to go balls to the walls, as they say, and be your own boss, be, be your own filmmaker? Okay. So I, I kind of have been able to do both for a long time. I, I was in sales, which allowed me to work from home for a very long time. That allowed me a lot of free time to write and handle pre-production and do marketing ads and create trailers and, and do that. And, and uh, even till today, I have a full-time job. Um, previous to COVID, um, I had left my last job with the intention. I also do videography work. Right. And I do it for the township. I do it for uh, local businesses. And so at pre-COVID, I had established a list of clients that I began to do. Vid- well, I was in the early stages of doing videography work for them, which was basically brainstorming ideas, scouting the locations. COVID hit and it completely wiped out the videography business. Um, the filmmaking business is largely out of pocket. I do have distribution agreements for some films, but the money that those distribution agreements generate is not sufficient for me to quit my full-time job and just live off those, you know, royalties. Right. Um, but filmmaking for me is a passion and it is, it is really my first passion. Um, my job is, uh, uh, I, gosh, I don't want to put it harshly, but it's expendable if it comes it's my filmmaking is not going to come at the expense of my work. Right. Yeah. I, well, I'm my, I think I said that the wrong way, but um, I think you understand what I'm saying is I am not going to give up my filmmaking 
Um, it is, mm -hmm. it's what I want to do. And it's ultimately what I do want to do um, without a full-time job. Um, but the trick right. is, the trick is getting to that point where you sell something and you sell it frequently enough. Yeah. And that's the goal. So um, since its inception in around 2012, uh, the Theater of Terror company has come a long way. Mm -hmm. um, as you said, we've established kind of a reputation. So um, selling our product is not difficult. It's just selling it to a broader audience that we're trying to do. Um, it's the, yeah, it's, you yeah. and I actually, before the show started tonight, we actually had uh, kind of this conversation. Um, so let us um, transfer that conversation that we had privately to the more public forum, uh, this format, this podcast format, we're very fortunate and very blessed to have it. Um, I worked in radio for a very long time, uh, terrestrial radio, before podcasts and satellites came along. I worked with people uh, like Jerry Blavitt and High Lit and, uh, and people like that. If you know the Philadelphia market, mm -hmm. those names are very prominent in radio. Um, and I had a very prominent position among them. Uh, I was very fortunate. Um, but then times change and it hits, you know, it hit my particular genre. And it certainly, no question about it, hit your genre for sure. So how do you as a creative person find the satisfaction not only that you need but that you require to go forward i could have you know laid over and and played dead where i built like someone else but i'm not mm -hmm. built to quit you know i find a way to make things work i'm sure you're of the same caliber sure. and the same sure. mindset so how did you find a way not to say well fuck it i'm just going to sit here and do sales I think once I got once once I realized um, the potential in in the work and um, realizing I'm I'm really a manifest destiny kind of person. I feel that if you believe it, it will happen. And obviously, not sitting on the couch believing it, but working mm -hmm. at it. Right? You got to work at it, and you exactly. believe it's going to happen. And I think it will happen. And I think the people that work hard put themselves out there, are prepared and accepting that failure is going to happen. Um, but you get, you get out in front of it. Um, you, you get exposure to what you're doing. Um, I think that you can make a lot of things happen for yourself. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, Brother, I'll tell you what. You have an open forum here. Absolutely. For your company and your employees and your partners. You have an absolute carte blanche here anytime. Oh, thank you, man. You thank want you. my airwaves for Absolutely, sure. Absolutely, because it's thank not you. it's no longer flyers anymore. It's face and voice now. Yeah, like it used yeah. to be yeah. back in the day. Yeah, um, yeah. it's remarkable mm -hmm. that there's an audience for horror still. But it, what's even more so remarkable is that. It's almost entirely independent. You don't see the studio horror pictures anymore, Tom. Yeah, they're you still there. Don't. They're still there, but I, I think that the medium is changing a lot, especially yeah. There are some high budget horror films, but for the most part, 
horror films are considered low budget films. Even the mo most expensive ones are considered low budget films. Yeah. But I think that I think that producers of that content understand that streaming has taken such a hold oh. of film watchers. Yeah. And it's it's um so there's a particular focus on where to put your film that you're going to get the highest market of horror fans watching yeah and it's just the theaters are not really delivering i mean especially after covid yeah but for a lot of films the theaters are not necessarily delivering that box office the way that streaming is delivering it yeah um because it's such a risky business right if, if these are these are made by a lot of independent film companies a24 or blumhouse um these guys don't have the universal movie uh, yeah. money they did the paramount pictures money they don't have that kind of money and so what winds up happening is they decide it's a lot lower risk to make a film at a lower budget pump it out on a shutter mm. pump it out on a netflix you know get it on amazon prime yeah you know you're going to attract the viewers it's the marketing is cheaper it's it's just kind of a win-win for them yeah so um i think that that's a, something that's really changing so I had that conversation actually last night, Tom. I was speaking to an award-winning writer, producer, director, actor, um, a guy that shared the screen with uh, Meryl Streep and, uh, and Wesley Snipes and Francis McDormand, nice. a very dear friend of mine, Mikey Messier, uh, nice. who is a, a multi-award-winning writer, producer, director, um, and we were talking last night. I said, Mikey, um, tell me to shut up if you think I'm getting too personal with you. But how are you able to make a living doing what you're doing? You're, you're you know, basically financing your own projects. Mm -hmm. I said, why is it so hard for you indie guys to get funding? But yet, you know, a big budget picture, a bank will roll over for them. Why? He said one word. Distribution. The ability to hit the masses. You guys can't do it. So here's my follow-up question to that. Tom, how important are venues like Monster Mania and Horicon? I, I think it's important for filmmakers to get in front of the audience. Um mm -hmm. I think it's important to relate to the audience, to talk to them, to, to separate yourself um, from, look, everybody with an iPhone is making movies these days, right? Yeah, exactly. So to a certain extent, the, the genre or the independent film community has been diluted a little bit with all of these filmmakers that are putting out shorts and putting out, you know, two minute shorts or whatever on their iPhone. And, yeah, uh, it, there becomes this abundance of filmmakers out there, an abundance of art. So I think what really separates everybody is, you know, you got to go out there, you get your face in front of the crowd, you show them your work, you represent your films, you get your films into film festivals, you do Q and A's, you get on mm -hmm. podcasts. Um, I do a lot of outreach to our fans. I try to stay in touch with them. I I'm friends with a ton of them on Facebook. I have no problems. You know, there's no. There's no egos here. We're, we're trying to, to connect with people. We're trying to show them that uh, filmmaking is fun, but we take it very seriously. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's look, 
we we work because we love the work. Um, we reach out to our community and beyond. I think I explained this to you before about doing the town fairs and the street yeah. fairs that are not horror related because right. a lot of what Theater of Terror does is heavily influenced by the Twilight Zone or yeah. Tales from the Dark Side or the Outer Limits. Stuff old school. Old yes. school, not yeah. necessarily stuff that's really violent and not necessarily. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't in, we won't have that in the film if it calls for it. But my point is, is that the kind of horror that we do, we're really trying to um, uh, we're trying to win over a, a broader audience um, that like entertainment in general, that might like thrillers or suspense yeah. movies or something that's send a chill up their spine. And so um, for me, it's important if you want to be successful is to recognize that your that your audience doesn't just have to be people in the horror community that wear horror related t-shirts yeah. every day. It could be people that grew up who loved Jaws and loved Silence of the Lambs oh, sure. or, or loved Deliverance or anything like those movies are very much horror movies. If you yeah. think about it, right? Oh, they absolutely are. They oh, say, yeah. Look, uh, hey, Jaws scared the shit out of me. I'll be honest. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, Tom, we saw one of the first clips that we saw tonight was, you making a pitch and a thank you yeah. to your supporters. I want to talk about that, and I put it in there deliberately yeah. because you mentioned in there a website that I hear almost every filmmaker that comes on to the show talk about, Indiegogo, mm -hmm. um, and and places like Kickstarter and and uh, even mm -hmm. some some people put GoFundMe's to yeah. for their movie. Yeah. Um, which I don't know how crazy I am about that idea, but look, I guess if it, you got enough people that'll help you, why not? Yeah. Um, how practical is a, a service like Indiegogo, and uh, and do people um, do they show their generosity in, in that in that type of a setting, uh, or do you get the five and ten dollar you know donations? But you know, both. Yeah, both. We have a lot of five and ten dollar donation supporters. Um, every every dollar counts. Every supporter is appreciated equally. Mm -hmm. Some can afford more than others. I hate asking for money to make movies. It's one of the worst parts of the process for me because right. I I I just want to bring people entertainment. Uh, but I also understand that um, if I don't. I'm kind of missing the boat on it. I see a lot of bad movies getting funded with a lot of money. There is money out there. People will fund a movie. Um, and I see a lot of movies getting funded that uh, it amazes me how they raise money for such, you know, um, 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 I guess, uh, small vision, vision movies, like stuff that's, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, and anyway, without without critiquing anyone else's Indiegogo, I just I'm, yeah. I'm not I'm not that comfortable doing it. Yeah. But I also understand that we have a lot of support. There's a lot of people that tell us, hey, you should try to raise money. We'd love to help you. And there's a lot of people that love to help us. And, and what's been great about it is that I've met so many people through fundraising that have been longtime supporters of our stuff. Um, some of them have actually appeared in the films. Some mm -hmm. of them are just executive producers. They come to sets. They come to some of the parties or the cast and crew screenings. Right. 
-hmm. you get to meet these people and they're special they're such special people because so many of them that i meet are not actors they're yeah. not artists but they love it and they want to support it and they yeah. want to pay for it and to me that's just a, it's such a, a special individual that comes to me and says look i don't want i don't want to be involved i just want to give you money and help you because yeah. i love the stuff that you do like i love your movies and i love your work so yeah. it's, it's i would be one of those people right it's yeah it's 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 humbling and it's 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 uh you know these are the people that drive everything that we do we've always been an independent film company yeah. and um these people well, let's talk about us. that a second yeah. um, let, let's yeah. talk about just that we've talked mm -hmm. about how you raise money and i've, I've know everybody that i speak to they hate that part of the to your to use your words that part of the process that raising money to do your film yeah. the, the, on the other end of that is the you know the finished product you have a film now now you spent money to make it now you've got to try to make money with it yes. how here's the the other the other uh, out the the other side of the washing machine now hmm. now it's your 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 clothes are clean now now we got to fold them make them look good yeah. Uh, and hang them up in the closet. Take, yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. How did you take that and make it look like a nice, clean, pressed shirt? And yeah. say to someone here, "This is well. This will look beautiful on you." Yeah. Step one is is making a movie that you're proud of because it makes it very easy to sell to other people when you're proud of your work. Um, I always try to do that. I try to work with great people that I'm proud to work with. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I boast those cast members when I talk about the films. I try to get great locations. We really focus on a high production value for our films, even with low budget. So we'll get really nice locations. We'll hire very talented actors. Um, we'll get some great special effects or artists on board. And so when you watch the film, you have no idea that it's a low budget independent film. Yeah. And that makes it a lot easier to sell. And, uh, you know, I did sales for a very long time. I'm a pretty good salesman. So the whole marketing thing is I go out, I meet people, I tell them what our stories are about. Um, I show them trailers. I really go the full nine yards to let someone mm -hmm. know this is what you're getting. Here's a trailer. These are the actors. Uh, this is, um, you know, this is how long I've been doing it. These are my other films. We get it out that way. I, I When I pursue distribution, I do a lot of research. I reach out to companies. We have some relationships with some companies now that are familiar with our work. That makes that easier. But I, again, it's it's really about putting your nose to the grind and um, getting the word out about your film. Making a film and thinking that people are going to come to you and want to see it, it's not going to happen. There's just yeah. too much. There's too much content out there. You have to get out there. You have to tell people it exists. You have to arrange premieres. You have to create ads you have to uh... well can i interrupt i just want to interrupt you because you just said something critical and I, I i don't want what you said to get lost on people how do you stay competitive in such a tight tight um for lack of a better a, a tight circle yeah you know the, the horror community is a very tight circle everybody knows everybody else you know, yeah. so how do you stay competitive with people that you genuinely, you know, I'm sure you genuinely like yeah. people like, you know, our friend Ed McKeever. Yeah. 
and yeah. you know, and Ed is, is a hell of a filmmaker, as mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you stay competitive yet friendly in in a, mm-hmm. a genre that's fiercely competitive? So it's funny because I I I draw inspiration from mm-hmm. other guys in the or and gals in the independent film community. I I I don't see it as competitive necessarily. Oh, okay. Um, uh, while I understand that that's kind of the nature of filmmaking, right? You want to, everybody's trying to make these fantastic movies. Um, but I, I wouldn't necessarily call it competitive. I don't, I don't think I see our relationship that way. Right. I'm inspired when I see guys doing bigger and better stuff like Ed, um, uh, guys like Jeremiah Kip out of New York. Um, there's, there's, there's filmmakers I have relationships with that I, um, I root them on. I want them to come out because every time I see them do something great, I want to do something just as great. And I don't think it's because of competitiveness. I think it's because I feel like we're all growing together. We're mm-hmm. all evolving together. One of my favorite uh, relationships in filmmaking is the George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, uh, Brian De Palma, Martin Scorsese, like all those guys used to hang out together, mm-hmm. watch each other's films and critique them. And yeah. I'm sure there was there's a competitiveness among them as well. Obviously, I don't think it's a rivalry, though. I think it's it's more of, um, you know, like you're pushing the next guy like, hey, you know, I'm making some great stuff here. You're making some great stuff. Let's keep in great making great stuff. That's a master right. class in filmmaking, brother. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All those when you're big talking names. about George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Brian <laughs> De Palma, Marty Scorsese, that's, that's- a, a the, uh, a, a master's master class. You, oh, these yeah. guys are the best of the, the best. A plus sure. <laughs> on the sure. planet, the best yes. of the best. Right. Mm-hmm. It right. doesn't get any. And no. uh, think about what you just said, Tom. Every single genre is represented in those five guys. Exactly. Think about that. Yeah. Sure. You've sure. got yeah. everything from comedy to, sure. to, to drama, crime drama, romantic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mm-hmm. like. You name it. Um, yeah. God, you know, I'm, Brian De Palma, I love because he reminds yes. me of Hitchcock. Yeah. And I love Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, let's talk about who inspired you growing up. Who were some of your your go-to directors when you were a kid? Guys that when they had a movie come out, you had to go see it. When I was a kid, I never cared. I didn't even know who the directors were in anything. Oh, except, just- except George Lucas. I knew that George Lucas was a director. I knew um, – I knew um, – Oh gosh, um, I, I'd heard their names, like Scorsese and those guys. I had heard their names. I don't think I cared. When I was a kid, I was more about the actors. You know, like I had the stars that I liked. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was more into the actors, and I was more into the villains. And uh, I really couldn't care less who, who, uh, who directed the film. I think I, I really started paying attention to directors like Spielberg and and Lucas and. Um, Oh, uh, gosh. Uh, George Miller, the Mad Max movies. I, oh, I, I really yeah. dug oh, in. Yeah. Um, uh, Ridley Scott, after I saw Alien, I was like, who's this guy? And then James Cameron, after I saw Terminator, and after I saw Terminator 2. Um, gosh, who else? Uh, I mean, I could probably just go down a list of directors whose films Would there I be love. an actor that you would like to work with still to this I'm, day? Probably a ton of them. Probably a ton of them. I would love to work with 
I mean, I love just m- mentioning George Miller. I'd love to work mm-hmm. with Mel Gibson. I'd love to. Oh work yes, with absolutely. You know, he was, he was like a hero of mine growing up. Um, this I I love all the I love so many actors and I love mm-hmm. so many directors. You know, it's one of those things. Whenever I go on a podcast or I do a, an interview, very often I'm asked, "What's your favorite? What's your right. favorite? This? What's your favorite that?" <laughs> and it's like I'm like maybe if you would have asked me that when I was five. Uh-huh. I would have had some solid answers. <laughs> right. <laughs> now Back it's like, in. I like so many things. Mm-hmm. I like so many movies. I like so oh, much absolutely. Music. I like so many directors, so many actors. Yes. And you, very, you're going back to when difficult. you said that, going back when you said that you were getting people to, you know, show in your movies and we're going to be in this town. This is what we're going to do. Did you get a lot of people also donating stuff to you, like houses, cars, woods, things like that, to build your sets and things like yes, that instead? It's a great question. Very often, a, a, a lot of our locations are people that are just um, film fans. Some people from my township, where I, I live up in uh, Bloomfield Township in uh, New Jersey. There's a lot of people that are very receptive to offering up their homes or their mm-hmm. locations. Um, we have shot in some fantastic locations in and around this town, um, all over New Jersey, actually. we've Tom, shot. can I ask you a question related yeah. to what you're talking about right mm-hmm. now? Where where did you guys film? What theater was was a theater theater of terror? That was the landmark Lowe's Jersey on Journal Square in Jersey City. Is it still an operational theater? So it wasn't when we filmed there either. That that film that theater's been a landmark, and it's probably been closed since the '90s or a little bit after. Right. And uh, an organization called the Friends of Lowe's took over to just maintain it for a while with donations. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so at this point, from what I understand, um, the city has taken or the state has uh, taken the renovation over and the Friends of Lowe's are still the organization in charge of the theater. Mm-hmm. But now the state is funding a renovation because they want to open it out open it up to be like this. You inspired that. Yes. Wow. yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm trying oh, to wow. shoot the rest of my mm-hmm. anthology there yes. before that happens or else we're not going to be able to shoot there. I, I used to work for a Lowe's Home Improvement and we used to pick up little projects like that. No, whenever this movies isn't Lowe's. No, sweetie. No. This is not <laughs> Lowe's Home Improvement. This no, is, but we used to do that back in our hometown in Texas. This was a, this was a, a, a theater chain, a national mm-hmm. theater chain called the, the Lowe's Cinema. Oh, we used to do that at home. Very, very well, because I'm old. (laughs) You're old. You're not old. (laughs) I'll tell you what. I got... Man, this has been a fast hour. Oh, my goodness, already? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's... Believe it or not. Uh Yeah, for real. we got to have Tom come back. Oh, absolutely. final clip. Oh, yes. One more. Yay. Oh, my goodness. This, I think, this is my favorite of them. Uh oh, am I gonna get scared? (laughs) I just like the way this guy looks creepy. Like he's scary. (laughs) Patrick Devaney, the great Patrick Devaney. Oh yes, I remember who he is. Oh yeah, he's got a great look. He really does. Uh oh. Uh-oh. The other thing, Tom, that I love about this clip, no dialogue whatsoever. Yeah. No yeah. dialogue. 
Uh oh. Amelia, you see what he did here? He's just using music. Oh yes. There's no dialogue. I love the camera angle as well. That camera angle is perfect. And this is obvious. This is called the bookkeeper. Yes. I mean the book, the bookworm, right? The bookworm. <gasps> bookworm, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what. That, that was a perfect camera seen, angle. Oh my I, god. I haven't seen that, but without seeing anything else, I will tell you that mm -hmm. that that's going to be my favorite in that yes. anthology. Oh mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, the, so the camera angle was perfect. Like on that. Amazon that Prime, check it out. Gary. Oh, is it on Amazon Prime? Is it? Oh, yeah, oh, definitely. Well, then we got yeah. some movies to watch. Now. I got Amazon yeah. Prime. Yay! <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we're gonna. Oh, I'll oh, tell yeah. you what. That's mm -hmm. remarkable stuff. Um, yes. Amelia, final round of questions for Tom yeah. Ryan. The, the way you did the camera angle on that, that was just so perfect. The way it's just scary and leading up to this makes you want to think like, oh, what's going to happen next? You don't want to grip something. <laughs> that was perfect. I mean, how did how you did think you of do doing that? that? Did you get somebody on, on the yeah. floor looking up? or Yeah. How was yeah. that? Just yeah, okay. sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, when it comes to horror, a lot of those angles always help, you know, uh, uh -huh. enhance the tension. Were they on the floor yeah. crawling on that, or did you have them like on a, a table with a rolling a no, table? That was, so that's that uh, our DP on that was a fellow by the name of Mark Boutros. Uh -huh. And um, God, I don't know if he shot that or if I did. That was perfect. Well, you, you had can't that. Remember if you because, shot? That. Yeah, because there's there's <laughs> actually there's so there's actually a couple of camera angles that um, it's it's just easier for me to get them instead of uh -huh. kind of explaining what I want to get. And on that shoot. We didn't have a monitor, so I couldn't see what was being shot at the time. So I think uh -huh. I had to look. Okay. I had to look through the uh -huh. camera. I, I might have done that. If not, it was uh, uh, Mark Boutros, who was our official DP on that film. That was just too perfect. Makes you want to think. Okay, what's going to happen next? Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a fast hour, oh, my friend. You have to come back. Yeah, thanks so Absolutely. much for having me on. I really appreciate that. Yeah, uh, you are. We're welcome here anytime. You got open forum. Um, yes. This Absolutely. was an amazing interview. I'm glad that we waited to, to book you because then we had mm -hmm. plenty of time with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I I definitely want to have you back, and we will do some business together. I yeah. appreciate um, it, guys. Tell everybody, Tom, where they can reach you. Tell everybody about the Theater uh, of Terror. Uh, I'm sorry, theaterofterror.net. I want to <laughs> make sure they don't yeah. go to dot .com. It's, it's dot .net. net. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Go to www.theaterterror.net. You can find us on Facebook at uh, Theater of Terror. We have a Facebook page. You can find us on Instagram at Theater Terror, uh, on Twitter as Theater Terror. And um, yeah, I, I, that's it. You could reach me in any of those uh, forums. Uh, I'll be happy to link up with you guys and, and uh, friend up and uh, keep keep you posted on all the new stuff that we're working on, all the new films. We're almost Beautiful. we'll be shooting Haunted. Uh, so I'll just put in a quick plug. Um, uh, Soothsayer and Robot are both screening at the uh, Long Island International Film Expo, and I think it's the Belleville Movies in Long Island. Uh, Soothsayer is going to be showing on Thursday, Thursday evening block at 8.30, and Robot I think is like the midnight block on Friday. Uh, we'll be doing that, and we're also shooting 
the last couple of scenes for our short film Haunted this weekend in Bloomfield, New Jersey. I can't wait to get that done. That'll be our fourth short film. And possibly very soon we'll be launching another Indiegogo to complete return to the theater of terror. Because if you remember in that video I posted, we raised like 80 percent. So I'm yeah. going to look to try to get the other 20, 20 some odd percent to finish. Absolutely. So, yep. And uh, a plug for my friend Mike Messier. If you are a short film and or documentarian and would like to enter your film for prize consideration, it is Avalonia Film mm -hmm. Festival. The AvaloniaFilmFestival.com. Uh, check it out. Mike Messier is an award winning, multi award winning writer, producer, actor, and director. Check him out at Avalonia Film Festival or MikeMessier.com and check out Mike Messier's YouTube channel. That's a plug for you, Mikey. I did that one. <laughs> That's yes. for the five bucks, oh, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> for Tom Ryan, theaterofterror.net. For Amelia Pitbull Chapman, I am the Mad Dog. Thursday night, join us for Tamara Thorne yes. and Alistair Cross, the masters of the written word. Horror. Of horror. It's horror week. <laughs> take care, yes. everybody. We'll see you Thursday night. Yes, Bye -bye. take care, everyone. <laughs>